Say good morning, super loud on the count of three. I'd like to welcome everybody this morning and uh, we got just an outstanding crowd here at Sunday School this morning I appreciate it um, you know it's like everybody we've seen uh, you know pretty much everybody get back to church and Sunday School and it's just uh, you think back to where we was a year ago it's a uh, man what a blessing it is to see everybody in the Lord's house and uh, it's just uh, I'm excited to be here this morning and uh, Appreciate all the kids we got, and it's just uh, it's a real blessing to have this many people in the house this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask Brother Sean to dismiss his Sunday school.
Good to be here this morning. Appreciate everybody for being here. And like Ryan said, boy, we've got a good crowd. And it's nice to hear the the kids uh, excited about Sunday school and sure enjoyed their singing this morning. We are going to be in the book of Lamentations this morning, uh, fifth chapter. And I'll give you a minute uh, to get there. Carl and I were talking, and uh, he said he he doesn't remember very many, if any, Sunday school lessons out of the book of Lamentations. Uh, and I was trying to remember if I've taught or listened to lessons out of the book of Lamentations. I don't, don't remember one either. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there have been a few, uh, but not very many. And I additionally went on and I can't, and, uh, and probably I have somewhere through the years, but I don't recall any sermons taken primarily from the book of Lamentations. Um, and so let's discuss why that is a little bit. Lamentations, if you look at it from a geographical standpoint, Lamentations is the Dead Sea. All right. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, the Dead Sea in the Middle East is the lowest spot that there is. All the water runs from everywhere, and the water eventually pulls up at the Dead Sea. And it's dead because of that. Uh, there's, there's nothing much good there. Well, this is the Dead Sea from a scriptural standpoint. This is God's judgment. And the book of Lamentations is, is written and is explaining what it looks like. And Jeremiah wrote this book, and he's writing, what does this look like? What, what's going on here? And he made a, a, a good history of it for us to look at. And so there are not too many places in the Bible where that you just see God's judgment upon his people and how difficult that it is to look at and discuss. This is one of them. I don't know if anybody's like me, but I love to, I love to watch movies. Um, this Lamentations is the scene where the bad guys are really mistreating the good guys. And, you know, Clint Eastwood hasn't ridden into town on his horse yet. All right. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, there's, when you're looking at it, there's not a whole lot to be optimistic about. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, uh, and man, what a difficult ministry and life that he had. Uh, you know, the, the song that the kids sang, I thought, wow, that's, uh, that's appropriate. When you're down in a pit, and you think that's it. Jeremiah got cast into prison, I think it, I counted, I think at least three different times. And it wasn't, get this, it wasn't the enemy of Judah or the enemy of Israel that came and cast him down into a prison. It was his own king that kept putting him in prison. Jeremiah they kept calling for him, and he would come in, and he would prophesy, and he'd say, the fate of Israel is sealed. 
the king would be saying, what can we do? Give us some good you know, news. And, his, and Jeremiah would say, yep, we're, we're done for. The fate of Israel is sealed. Everything that you own and your family are all going to get carried off to Babylon. And that's all I've got to tell you. What made the kings mad? And, and two, you know, two, three different times they cast him in prison. One time, and I, I so see me in this, when I'm, when I'm looking at, you know, I always try to see where, where would I be in this. One time, he gives the king the bad news, and the king, when he gets done giving him the bad news, or he, he concludes, he says, that's it. I'm not, I'm not prophesying for God anymore. I'm done. That's it. I quit. Anybody else ever been there? Anybody else quit this week? <laughs> uh, well, I got me and Mike are honest. Everybody, <laughs> you know, maybe not this week, but I mean, boy, I, you know, I've been. I did tell Carl. I said I about called him two or three times this week to give him this lesson back, but uh, I appreciate him giving me the opportunity uh, to help sometimes and love Carl's teaching so much but so Jeremiah says I, that's it I quit but then it's, it's not very long he says but I couldn't quit because there was a fire in my bones and I had to just keep saying what God gave me to say he, he knew Jeremiah knew uh, how sad of a spot is that that you can see your people and you're trying to warn them and advise them, don't go down this path, and they just keep going, and and then God reveals to you, here's what my judgment's going to be, and and they just keep going, and they won't turn back, and you, you can see it, it's kind of like a slow motion car wreck, and he just saw it, and it all unfolded. And he suffered, uh, it wasn't, he didn't sit back and go, ha, told you so. I mean, he was suffering because it was his people. It was his, you know, uh, people that he loved. So um, so that's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Uh, and so he writes, you know, he writes Jeremiah, that book, and then he writes the book of Lamentations. Let's talk about Lamentations briefly, and then we'll get into this. Lamentations is an interesting, interesting uh, book from this standpoint five chapters in lamentations chapter one and two have 22 verses chapter four and five have 22 verses chapter three has 66 verses okay and so there's something unusual about the way these uh, at least the first four chapters are written chapter uh, there, there were 22 there are 22 letters in the hebrew alphabet and so book one or chapter 1 and chapter 2, 22 verses. Each verse, it would be like if we started with our alphabet and the first verse started with the letter A and the second verse started with the letter B and then letter C and went through. So there's, there's 22 verses in the Hebrew alphabet. So each verse starts with a different letter going down, descending down. And so that was book 1 and 2. Now, chapter 3... It's the same way, it just does it three times. It goes 1 through 22, 1 through 22, 1 through 22, so 66 verses in chapter 3. Chapter 4 is the same way. Again, 
22 verses, each verse starting with uh, the next descending letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Chapter 5 has 22 verses, but it doesn't follow that, that pattern. And I don't know why, uh, but it's just that that's the way that it is. Um, and so, uh, but it's just, a, you know, I think it was either a poem, those, those first, four chapters, and maybe chapter five as well, it may have been put to music at, at one time. It could have been a song. Uh, so it was probably, you know, uh, in its uh, presentation, probably very beautiful. Certainly the message that it gives is, is a very sad message. Uh, but uh, so let's take a look at this. Uh, 22 verses, chapter five in the book of Lamentations. Last thing I want to point out to you this is written somewhere after uh, Judah was carried away captive uh, to Babylon, which uh, the history books tell you is somewhere around 587 or 586 B.C. Uh, and the temple uh, was destroyed. Uh, and almost all of the people uh, were taken. Now, not all of them the real weak and sick and a few that escaped. Uh, and Jeremiah, interestingly enough, uh, Nebuchadnezzar offered to Jeremiah, do you want to come to Babylon and you'll be a guest here uh, or you can stay? And Jeremiah stayed. Uh, and so Lamentations 5, verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us, Consider and behold our reproach. So you see right away here in the first verse uh, what's something that's very important, and that is who is this being written to or who is this being said to? Well, this is Jeremiah, and I, and I do have to tell you, there is, <clears throat> there is some disagreement in theolog theologians about did Jeremiah write the entire book of Lamentations? I think that he did, and so I'll just tell you that, but just so that if you, if you want to look at that or have some other thoughts, you can. But I think Jeremiah wrote the entire book. But, so Jeremiah's writing this, is my, and that's my opinion. I think that's pretty commonly held, uh, but there are some who don't agree with that. But who is he talking to? He's talking to God. I mean, this is a, a prayer or a, or a statement uh, that he's making to God here about Judah and about their circumstances. So he starts right off and he's, he's saying, God, you know, don't forget us. Uh, remember us. Look, look down here, you know, uh, let me have your attention, so to speak. Our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. Um, boy, that's a, you know, you start seeing right away how bad things are. So let's apply this and let's at least think about, and we don't have time to go through it four or five times from start to finish, but I'll just try to throw some, some comments in here. In reading this, I try to apply this first to me individually, okay? And I think we can all, everybody probably can conceptualize that. So as we're going through, look at it from, you know, you individually. And then I try to look at it from me with maybe my family uh, group, all right? And then I try to look at it from me from my church group, all right? And then lastly, I try to look at it from me 
with my, my nation as a group. So the United States, all right? Because uh, certainly there are applications in this for all of us. Um, and, you know, this is God's people that are in this position. Okay, so let's make that clear. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that was in uh, the nation of Israel was at this point was all saved, but this is God's chosen people. So we have to look at that from a standpoint of God's people, us. I mean, those people that have been saved. If, and God gives us this option, he gives us this option before we're saved, but he certainly then gives us that option again after we're saved and we're his, he gives us the option every day of what are you going to choose today? And so every day when I get up, I have that option. And I've told on myself several times, boy, there's some days when I get up and I've got 101 things going on at work and, and I get up and I run into the shower and get cleaned up, don't even eat breakfast in my truck and off to the office and I haven't even thought about praying that day. So that's just me. I'm just telling on me. I know everybody else, nobody else ever does that. Okay. But that's, that's me. And so, but God gives us a choice daily of, are we going to follow him? Are we going to make him our priority today? Unfortunately, the children of Israel here had that choice. And God had told them, if you don't follow me, Here's what's going to happen. Okay. Does he tell us that? Well, sure he does. I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. So he gives us, he's told us, if you don't follow me, if you don't do what I ask you to do, you're going to have a punishment to pay. Well, God had told Israel that. And starting back as far back as 200 years before where we're reading right now, the prophet Amos came along, and Israel was doing really good. If you looked at it then, in about 792 B.C., from a natural being successful, their kingdom, but their heart was it in the right place? It started to, to deviate from where God wanted their heart. Amos started telling them. And there were a number of prophets that came along. Hosea, Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and then finally Jeremiah, and not necessarily in that order, but I tried to put them as chronological as I could, a prophet would come along and they would say, we better be careful, we're headed in the wrong direction. And sometimes the king and Israel would turn and repent and, and they would do better for a little while. But the decline was pretty much like this. It just kept declining and declining and declining and declining. And they finally get here to this spot. And God's judgment uh, finally comes upon them. The Babylonians come in, they take all their people off, and 
So this is where we're at. Our inheritance is turned to strangers. So these folks are looking around, and let's just look at it from the United States, okay, or the state of Ohio. So, uh, you know, I own my house, and I live in it, and uh, I've got my job, and I've got my car, and, you know, I go over to Walmart or Chiefs, and I buy my groceries, and I live a, a pretty peaceful existence, okay? Well, obviously, they didn't have Chiefs or Walmart here. That's not what I'm talking about, but they had a system in place that had allowed them to, to have a peaceful existence, and they had things that belonged to them. Well, now they've been invaded. Their temple's been destroyed. So the place where they went to worship has been knocked down. It's not even there anymore. And the house that they once lived in, there's now somebody from a foreign country living in their house. It's not theirs anymore. So you start to see how desperate of a situation that they're in. We are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. So a lot of the men had one been killed, and if they, were, if they weren't killed and they were captured, they were taken away uh, captive by the Babylonians. Uh, and so, uh, again, the family dynamic that they had just a short time ago, that's, that's not there anymore. Most of them, the men are gone. The women are struggling, and they've got just children there. So, again, think about how that would affect you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's certainly not a place that, that I want to be. Uh, it's a scary place to be away from God. Naomi. Naomi, yeah. And so he, he took care of these women. It was a law. But down here, now they're women. 
Well, and it is, and we look at it, and of course they're here and they're in this, and they're they're looking around at it, um, and you know we can read on down. We can go on over in the book of Ezra or the book of Nehemiah, and we can read, um, but you know for them right here, this this was their reality, um, and if we don't follow God, certainly there are repercussions from that. Who's ever heard somebody say, well, I'm not following God, but I'm only hurting myself. Anybody ever heard that? I mean, I've heard that a lot. Um, in a, you know, maybe a variety. I'm not hurting anybody but me. Okay. Well, I mean, what do you think about the previous generations in Israel that were not following God? Did that have some impact on this generation? Well, certainly it did. And so, I mean, what, you know, what my parents did has an impact on me. Now, does that mean that I can't get saved if they weren't saved? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that what they do will have an impact on me. And what I do will have an impact on my children and my grandchildren and right on down. So if you think that what you do doesn't have an impact on those around you, I, I think that I don't think you're looking at it correctly. It certainly does have an impact. It can have a, an impact for the good or it can have an impact uh, for the negative, but appreciate that comment. But there certainly, God, God had this plan and he had these rules put in place that Dolly was just talking about and it, you know, it protected and, and created stability uh, for the people that were living there and when they're invaded that stability is is gone it's not there
Anybody else have a comment? So let's look at verse 4. We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. So things that they used to have for free, just things that you need, staples that you need to live, water to drink, and wood to, I, I believe, to warm their, the places that they lived in. Now they're having to pay for that. Instead of it being a situation where that that's just free to them as, as uh, residents of Judah, they now have to go and they're, they're working and they're having to pay for those things that once you know they took for granted. And it just goes along with exactly what Dally says. And that is, boy, you don't really know sometimes what you've got until it's gone. Um, let's think about the last year. Boy, I, growing up, never thought that we would get a call and say, okay, Easter service at Lima Missionary Baptist is canceled this year. Right. Whoever thought they would hear that? I mean, I, I, in my wildest imagination, right. well, no matter what happens, there'll be the church doors will be open. Even if it's a small crowd, I can go. No Easter service last year. Thankful that this year we were able to have it. But... Boy, you don't know, you, sometimes you don't appreciate what you've got until that's gone. So, our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. So, they're under uh, somebody that's been put in place, a governor essentially over this territory, and making them work. I mean, I mean and the, the folks that are there that, again, had been free and able to do what they wanted to, they've got somebody bossing them around. One of the commentaries even indicated that, you know, under, and I think this fits under the Levitical law, they had a day off every week. If they worked six days, they would get the Sabbath, which at this point was Saturday. They would get the Sabbath day off. That was a day of rest. Well, under the rule that they're under now, no rest. Every day is a work day. We don't, we don't recognize that. And certainly they were in a, a really bad spot. I was talking to Brother Carl this morning, and this next verse just amazes me. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Well, if you read through the history of Israel, you'll know that the Egyptians and the Assyrians were year in and year out, they were the thorn, they were the enemy. Uh, of the Israelis and things are so bad that they've turned to the to the nations that are historically their foes and said will you help us that's how bad they are um, so I you know you just have to wonder and I've, I've I, I again I tell on myself um, I've been a few times in my life since I was saved where I didn't stay real close to God and would come to church and be ready to try to get back in, but there not really be an opportunity uh, to get back in. I don't know if anybody else has ever been there, but it, you know, you got to wait till God moves uh, before you can get back close to God if you, if you haven't been there. And I just wonder 
how, how many times the people here were thinking, boy, we wish we would have taken heed. We wish we would have gotten back closer uh, when God had his, his man here telling us, uh, don't do this, don't go this route, you know, don't worship these, these other gods, don't, you know, don't transgress my law. Boy, I got to think there was a lot of times that they did. Great point. And there are so many parallels to where we're at today. And you look at our nation, um, and I won't get into them. I mean, everybody sees what, what things are going on. But there are so many things as a nation that we are doing that are ungodly. Um, and, you know, this nation was founded on Christian principles. Um, and God has blessed it. But the farther that we get away from what God teaches, the more in jeopardy that we are. Uh, at some point, God will say, I'm not going to continue to bless this sin. Um, and so, you know, and as when I was starting, I said, you know, we need to see how this applies to us and then how it applies to our family, how it applies to our church, and then how it applies to our nation. Well, how it applies to me individually is the easiest one for me to address and change. Okay. Everybody probably knows that, that Becky is in DC right now. Uh, she's there watching our granddaughter uh, because Liz had to go back to, to work. So Mackenzie called me this week and she said, are you lonely? And I said, well, you know, I haven't had one disagreement about where to put the, the TV channel since your mom's been gone. Um, and, you know, I was obviously I was joking with her. I, I miss Becky when she's gone. But we can make those changes when it's individual. We can make that change right now today. That's an easy change to make. Within our family, a few more people. But that's, that, you know, change. If there's something that needs changed, we can start working on that and try to change it. From a church standpoint, a lot more people. I have less influence. If it's just me, I've got all the influence that I need. I can make that change today if I need to make it. Um, when you get to a nation, I understand how some of these, you know, people felt looking at what Israel was doing and looking at what our country is doing, and I can say, you know, boy, I, I wish we were headed in a different direction than, than we are on some things, but we have a lot less, you know, input on it than we do a smaller group. So what do we do? Um, I mean, we pray. Certainly we pray. You know, I love that scripture, and Carl quoted it maybe just a week or two ago, but... Uh, it's Solomon, uh, and, and God is saying, you know, if, if things are really bad, if I send a pestilence or there's a famine and these different things, if my people that are called by my name 
will turn to me and humble their heart, then I'll hear their call. So he didn't say if, you know, the, the world turned. He said if my people. And so as God's people, we've got this opportunity. But it's more than an opportunity. I mean, it's, to me, it's an obligation. I mean, we need to be doing that. I mean, uh, we need to be calling to God and asking, you know, for his help. For us individually, for our family, for our church, for our nation, for our world. Uh, he sees so much more than, than we will ever see. Uh, so, good point, Kenny. Um, so, they turn to the Egyptians and the Assyrians because they're hungry. I mean, they're looking for something to eat, and that's, that's their option. Boy, how sad that is that we can put ourselves in a spot where our best option is to turn to our enemies for help. They don't have to be there. They didn't have to be there. and can't live for God and there are if you're not saved you can't live for God and I agree exactly with what you said but there's a, unfortunately there's a big number of people that are saved and they simply go well that's a bit too straight for me I'm going to go over here where I can spread my wings a little bit more or do what I want to do and whatever you know act that is that one really is sad uh, to me uh, because they give up uh, they give up so much to head down that road um, and again if you think doing that that you are only affecting yourself you're you're misleading yourself appreciate that Have you ever had, uh, I know you have, or probably all of us have, have friends that are, that are Christians, uh, you know, attend a different church than this, whether the same faith and order or slightly different, and they come and remark at how spiritual our services are. I've had so many people, and they want to know, how are your services so spiritual? Uh, how, why is our worship not quite like that? And I can't answer that question. Uh, all the time, but I do believe that how we 
walk from Monday through Saturday has a big impact on what happens here on Sunday. And, you know, if we're out not following God's rules, and like you said, not our rules, we're God's rules, it's, they're right here. I mean, if we're out not following those as a church, then on Sunday when we come in here, not going to have the power that we have if we have followed those and done that all week. So appreciate the comment. Well, sure it is. Well, I told my kid, and I've said this before in, in teaching, but I told my kids uh, growing up that I hope that I'm not remembered by my mistakes, by the worst thing that I did. Uh, you know, I hope that I'm remembered for what I tried to do for God and not by where I, I stubbed my toe uh, really bad. Verse 7, our fathers have sinned and are not, they're gone. And we have borne their iniquities. So do you think that that's a fair statement? I ask that, and, and we're, unfortunately, we're not going to get through all 22 verses. I, I'm sorry that we're not. We've got about five minutes. But let's talk about this, this verse here. Do you think that's a fair statement? Our fathers blew it, and now we're paying the cost. What are you saying? Right? Our fathers blew it. They're all dead, and here we're left holding the bag. Yeah. Uh, we, the effect, I don't think that Lance asked me that one time, Lance Nichols, you know, he's uh, my beloved kid. He's just so, uh, he still goes to church, I guess, but he said uh, his mom and dad just divorced, you know, and he uh, asked me, he was probably only about 15, 16, and he said, uh, that, that verse confused him. He said, how can I be responsible for what my father and my mother and mother did? Sure. Absolutely. And, and, and I think you're exactly right. And it's back to what I was saying earlier. You know, my mom, her parents didn't go to church. And they were divorced. And my grandfather was an alcoholic. And there was a lot of disruption in her family. That's, that's my, you know, that's my heritage. So that's my family tree as well. But it affected, you know, it affected her a lot. But she still had the opportunity to come and get saved and to follow God. And she did, and I'm thankful for that. 
that made my way a lot smoother. Neil, same, same spot. Me and Neil are cousins, so he went through some of the same stuff. Made our way smoother from what our parents did. And so she made those choices and has been blessed for them, but still, that's her family tree. If you ask her, I, I believe that she would say, well, yeah, I wish my, my dad hadn't been an alcoholic. I wish my mom and dad would have stayed together. wish they would have been in church and got saved when they were younger. Now, they did both get saved later in life. Thank God for that. But how her life would have been different. So the things we do affect the generations that come. All right. So let's read verse 16, and then I'll be done. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe unto us that we have sinned. So which way is it? Is Jeremiah blaming his ancestors, or is he taking responsibility for it? I think it's both. It's both. Certainly, what his ancestors did for the last couple of hundred years in Israel led to the demise and the problems that they were having. But the people of that generation still had a choice to make. And they made bad choices. So I can't say, God, it's Adam's fault. Just leave me out of this because it's all Adam's fault. He's the one that fell in the garden. I can look back and say, God, it's certainly Adam fell, and that has an impact on me, but I'm no better than Adam because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner just like Adam was. Appreciate those comments. I remember you having that conversation uh, with me. Um, appreciate that advice. So, and I don't know why this popped in my head, but um, I'll leave with this. Do you, th does anybody in here know what the one biggest hurdle to accumulating wealth in the United States is? There's one. There's one statistic. And if this statistic applies to you one way, it, it, it's, it's astonishing. It's divorce. 
It's amazing. Um, you know, and so what we do impacts our family. It impacts the people that we love. So I appreciate your attention, appreciate your comments, your prayers. Brother Carl will be back at this next week and uh, be praying for him. So you're free to go. Thank you. Appreciate your attention.